<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Pastor Mike this morning as he comes and brings the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Fantastic, Dave. I've been enjoying that. I love the worship. Just fantastic time of worship this morning. And I loved your inspiration and exhortation. Could have just stayed there just enjoying it. How many were enjoying that this morning? It was just great, wasn't it, eh? Okay, I want to... Uh, we're speaking, and we're on a season in growth. God is wanting every one of us to grow. He wants you to grow. If you don't grow, and don't change, you'll just have the same results in your life you had last year. And God has got better things. And those better things, got better things planned for us. God has got better things planned for you. If you want to participate in the better things, do some different things this year. Amen? If you want to participate in the better things God has, do some different things, grow. And uh, I was speaking last week, uh, last time about Jesus' growth, some areas that Jesus grew. Uh, and today I want to just shift the, the focus a little bit. And uh, I, I'm just amazed how it fits in with, without even discussing with just exactly what has come through this morning. I want to speak on building an atmosphere for God to manifest. Building an atmosphere for God to manifest. And uh, we just start and have a look in uh, Genesis chapter 2. And it says in verse uh, 7, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Living being. You are a living being. Called to reflect the glory of God. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. When you read through the book of Genesis, you'll find that God, first of all, establishes an environment, and then he creates something to go into that environment to flourish. Created the seas, then he created the fish and put them in. Fish are made for the sea. You take a fish out of its environment, it does not flourish, it withers, it dies, it flounders. It's not designed for an environment other than the one God designed it for, which is the sea. Anyone's been out fishing, you get the the fish up on the, uh, up on the boat, and you notice they, they, they get into a distressed state where they're, <gasps> they're, they're trying to gain oxygen, but they're not designed to get it from the environment they're in. Eventually they die. Birds are designed. God designed the air. Birds are able to flourish in the air. No bird flourishes in a cage. So God always establishes an environment. Then he creates someone to put in that environment and he gives them a purpose. And we see here that God created an environment for Adam. You need an environment that's healthy if you want to flourish in your life. If you grow up in a healthy home, healthy environment, you flourish. I mean, in some places where the environment is toxic, when there's a toxic environment, you slowly get poisoned and you die. You don't flourish in an environment that's not healthy for you. And so, of course, we've got a huge concerns about our natural environment, but there is an environment God created for us. There's an environment you are designed to flourish in. There's an environment that God prepared for you, and when you're in it, you flourish. And that environment is the glory of God. It is God's presence manifest. We know that God is present right through the earth, but His presence always isn't always manifest. When God manifests His presence, you become conscious of God. You notice when we read through the book of Genesis, we find 
that God made a garden in Eden. Eden was a realm where God's presence manifested, and there was a garden, a place where God put Adam, and in that place of God's presence, that's where he was able to flourish. You can't take it for granted. You can never take God's presence for granted. So one of the things that I believe if we are going to flourish this year, there's many things you can do to grow, many things you can do to help yourself go forward, but there's one thing I would consider foundational, and that is you consider building an atmosphere of God's presence and learning how to cultivate that atmosphere, carry that atmosphere, live and breathe in the atmosphere of heaven. We are made for heaven's atmosphere. When you are in the presence of God and God's presence becomes thick and fills the place, something in you comes alive. I never want to be in a dead service where they're singing songs and there's no presence of God. You go out there and you feel somehow cheated. You've done two hours and nothing happened. I want to come to services where the presence of God becomes thicker and thicker and thicker week by week. I believe that if we're going to break out in ways that God has got planned for us, we must hunger and pursue His presence personally and corporately. We need to lift our game plan. The Bible tells us very clearly, draw near to God, He will draw near to you. I have been in this building here, and it has been thick with the atmosphere of God, so thick no one could move. I've been at times here where the atmosphere of God was so thick, People are weeping as God is transforming their lives. No one laid hands on them. It was just the presence of God impacting their life. How about we begin to build an atmosphere like that, that we can flourish and grow a better future for ourselves, our marriages, and our families. In the environment of God's presence and glory, everything accelerates. Everything thrives. Everything goes better. That's why you can set goals in all sorts of areas, but I believe as a church, uh, perhaps our number one goal is the presence of God filling the place and us learning how to work, flow with Him, and carry that presence wherever we go. Otherwise, what do you have? Church without the presence of God, I don't understand. It's just dead and empty religion. So God made an, uh, an environment. They've never found where Eden is. They found most of the places the Bible mentions, but not Eden. It's quite likely it's because it wasn't necessarily a physical place, but a realm where heaven met with earth, and within which there was a garden where God came and visited man. Isn't that amazing? God, every day, came and talked with man. Isn't that amazing that Adam could walk with God and see God in his glory? and commune with God. That was a healthy, that's the environment we're designed to live in. Hearing God, thriving in His presence, building homes where there's an atmosphere of God, building a life where there's an atmosphere of God, and taking it into your workplace, taking it out into the community. Doesn't the Bible say, the whole earth shall be filled with knowledge of the glory of God? That'll be people carrying their glory everywhere they go. So we need to focus on this whole area. I want us to look in Isaiah 6. The first thing, so we see that in the original environment of Eden, it was a place where heaven and earth were connected. 
It was like there was an open heaven and God's presence touched me. What is that like? An immense feeling of being loved. An immense feeling of joy. Immense sense of peace. Everything that's in the kingdom of God was manifesting around Adam and Eve. What an amazing existence they had. Yet how easily it can be just given up if we don't value and treasure the presence of God. Isaiah chapter 6. Now I want to show you something because uh, this will help you when you start to choose what you're going to listen to and what sort of songs you're going to tune into. In Isaiah chapter 6, it said, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. King Uzziah represents pride. King, he was a king who was very successfully while he sought the Lord, and then pride got in his heart. He tried to take on something he was never called for. When you try to do things or give your life to something God has not called you to, then there's something malfunctions in your life. And so the Bible says, when in the year that he died, I saw the Lord on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim with six wings, two covered his face, two covered his feet, and two he flew, and one cried to the other. Here it is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Notice when you get glimpses into heaven, and I'm not talking just about having a mental picture. When you catch where people have seen into heaven and recorded what they saw, they describe similar things. Not always easily understood, but there are some things that are really easy to understand. And you notice the first thing you see here is the total focus is on the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. So heaven is focused not on human needs. Heaven is focused on Jesus Christ. Heaven is focused, its whole attention is centered on Him. He is the center of heaven's attention. In heaven, they worship Him. In heaven, there is constant praise. In heaven, there's an environment where the name of Jesus is lifted up and it is full of the glory and presence of God. So if heaven is going to invade earth, then there's some things we need to learn that we begin to bring into our own way of operating and living. I have found, as I've looked around over the years, much of the Christian music has drifted away from exalting Jesus. It's more about making money. Instead of the anointing, there's a lot of talent and gift, but no presence of God. I found that often the songs that people get drawn to are not faith-building songs. You see, songs... We use them for a purpose. We use them to build an atmosphere that God can come into. I choose the songs I listen to. Do you listen to songs like and start to sing, Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. Now listen, that is not going to build an atmosphere of faith. Yet a lot of people would sing that because they're in trouble. And when the song comes up, they think, that's my song. I like that song. But what they don't realize, when you start to sing songs that focus on negative situations, on problems and issues, you do not build faith. You do not build a focus on Jesus Christ. You turn the focus from heaven to earth, and instead of heaven coming to earth, you become enmeshed even more in the problems. We have to learn to choose songs and draw upon songs that lift high the name of Jesus, that exalt Him for who He is, because those are the songs of heaven. 
Those are the songs that heaven sings. In heaven, they don't sing depressing songs. I'm thirsty, Lord, and I'm dry. They just don't sing them in heaven. But we like to sing them because it's a way of saying what we're feeling. I'm so dry, Lord. Now listen, that will not bring heaven to earth. You see, if human need brought heaven to earth, God would be moving in some places he's not moving at the moment. God does not get drawn to need. He gets drawn to faith. You've got to understand that. God has set out in his word ways of coming near to him. Now you say, well, i got my way. Well, good on you. How's it working out? <laughs> Tell me about the miracles that are happening. Tell me about the flows of prophecy, the words of knowledge, the movement of the Holy Spirit that's happening out of your way. You see, you've got to approach things from God's way. So when we look into heaven in Isaiah, it's the same in Revelation. Never just have a quick look without going to too many verses. But if you look in Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, these are people, and many of them are persecuted, many of them lost their life for Jesus. Look what they're saying. And it says, in, here's the four living creatures, Revelation 4 verse 8, the four living creatures. And what they were saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. And then the elders, they cast their thrones down. Verse 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, for you've created all things for your pleasure. And in 5 verse 12, they all said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Isn't that amazing? Heaven is full of worship. It's focused on Jesus and it's saying, He's amazing. He is wonderful. It's not singing songs of how bad my life is and the problems I'm facing. It's about exalting him. The sound, heaven has a sound. Heaven has a sound. It is a sound of victory. It is a sound of triumph. Heaven has a sound. It's a sound of praise the Lord. It's a sound of Jesus being lifted up and nothing is hindering that exalting him. It has a certain sound about it. And you'll find through the Bible, when earth resonated with that sound, God came. God loves, the Bible says, he inhabits the praises of his people. He doesn't inhabit your complaints. He doesn't inhabit your problems. In fact, your problems are an opportunity for God to come. But if you focus on the problem instead of the solution, God won't come. You have to see God operates where there is faith. And faith operates in certain ways. And so in heaven, they exalt Jesus. In heaven, he is lifted up. I believe in this coming year that our worship services, we need to be willing to lift high the name of Jesus like we did this morning, singing songs that declare who he is and how worthy he is, because that's the environment of heaven. And when that environment is created from hearts that are passionate for the Lord, he inhabits it. You say, why is it important for him to inhabit it? Because if you don't, if the presence of God doesn't come, we never see miracles. You have to, people, sick people die, oppressed people stay oppressed. The presence of God 
opens the way for his manifestation of himself in power. New Zealand desperately needs to experience again the power of God. We desperately need to have the heavens open up and the glory of God come and people are healed in their seats. People are healed from deafness, healed from cancers, healed from sickness. People are waiting for that sound that God is in the house. Not just a little presence, but the glory of God is there and miracles are taking place. Miracles have a way of being shouted out abroad. They have a way of getting attention and drawing attention to Jesus. So I believe we're in a time we need to press in for that. So praise makes an atmosphere. I have a look. Let me give you some examples in the Bible. In the Old Testament, one of the first examples is the high priest in, in Leviticus chapter 16. And what he used to do when he would go into the presence of God, he would carry blood. incense on the burning coals and incense and smoke would fill the holiest of holies and God would meet and commune with them. Now that's only a picture, a prophetic picture. Fire, some passion inside us, not warmness, not half-heartedness, but oh, you know something, for him to go into the presence of God and not do it right meant death. So they used to tie a string to him, I believe, and Casey fell down and died in there. Didn't do it right. Didn't do it God's way. God's way. Not my way. God's way. And God told him, this is how you do it. You come in with blood and sprinkle the blood. And you come in with incense in two hands. Fill them up and pour them on. And make sure there's plenty of incense. And I will meet with you and talk with you. God prescribed a way. And that way involved coming in humbly knowing that the blood made access possible and coming and bring an offering of passionate praise to him. You find example after example of it right through the Bible where strong and intense and passionate praise. Let me just throw out a couple. In, in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13, it says as they dedicated the temple, it says they were all with one accord and one sound. They had 120 trumpeters. Oh, the glory of that. Can you imagine a hundred and twenty trumpeters and throw in some saxophones as well and some strings and violins? Oh, I would just love that. I'd love to have an orchestra of a hundred with brass and, and stringed instruments to create the atmospheres of heaven. And the Bible says when they're all with one accord, with one sound, there was a sound of victory, of triumph, of praising the Lord, it resonated with heaven and heaven invaded earth. The Bible says the glory of God just came and filled the place so much they could not stand to minister. Now, we have fallen short of that glory. That's what sin is. It's to fall short of the glory of God. There is more for us. So it doesn't just come because we hope. What happens is it comes because people see by revelation there is more and set their heart to believe God and pursue it. If you're happy to settle for yesterday's revelation, yesterday's experiences, yesterday's anointing, then you're irrelevant for the future. See, we're not irrelevant because of our age. We're irrelevant because of our attitude. 
It's our attitude. The attitude, oh God, until the day. I love Dave's attitude. David said in the Bible, oh, I'm old and I'm gray-headed, but forsake me not until I show you power to this generation and the one to come. Now that's a man who got old and didn't go to retirement home. That's a man who got old and said, oh God, there's more. Give me the more. I want to go out on fire. See? I don't want to just grow old and tired. I want to grow old and passionate for God because heaven's getting closer every day. Okay? So the glory came. There's examples like that. Paul, Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16. They're in the prison and they began to praise the Lord and sing. Notice there was something there in the atmosphere before the power of God came. There was praise, there was worship, there was gratitude to God. And these are guys who have just endured a thorough whipping. Now, none of you came to church this morning, and before you arrived, were given a thorough whipping. Some of you may have needed it, but, however, you probably didn't get it. Maybe you got a, a verbal whipping or something like that. You come a bit down, a bit, maybe life has given you a bit of a whipping. Well, you can choose to sit there in chains and moan and groan and be sad and say how bad this is, Oh, someone please pray for me. Or you can do what Paul and Silas did. You can rise in your spirit and begin to worship God. So what a glorious God we have. No matter what I'm feeling or what I'm going through, I will offer the sacrifice of praise, giving the fruit of my lips to you. You choose to do that. Every person that walks through this door every Sunday, you choose what you give to God. And I'm not just talking about the offering. I'm talking about building an atmosphere that God loves to live in. We sang a song today, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Isaiah 66 verse 1, where is the house you'll build me? The house God's looking for are people on fire with love and passion and hunger for him who are not ashamed to express it. That's how he comes. He comes when those things are present. And we need to believe there's much, much more. I want the more. eh? I want the more. Interesting, Jesus went up on the mountain in Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, verse 29. Jesus went up on the mountain, took three disciples with him, and it said, as he prayed, as he began to worship, as he began to honor his Father, it says, the glory began to manifest in him. His clothes shone, his face shone. Everything about him began to radiate the inner glory. Did it ever occur to you that that same glory has been placed inside you, and that when you begin to sing and praise and honor the Lord, inside you begin to radiate the life of God. I've been in a meeting one time. My daughter had an open vision and, uh, 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 during the time of deliverance, and, and she saw where I was standing, but she couldn't see me. She said, all I can see was this brilliant light, and I could see Jesus. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. I didn't notice anything. Too busy working with God to see people set free. But she said, I saw like a brilliant light just flowing out like that. So she saw in the spirit what I couldn't see naturally. You are known in the spirit. How bright is your light shining? How bright is the passion for Jesus Christ? How bright is the fire inside you? How strong is the hunger inside you? Let that hunger arise again. Don't let the world put it out. Don't let small and trivial things quench the fire of God. 
You know, God lit that fire on the altar. The priest's job was to keep it alive. You keep it alive. You know something? The more you're in the presence of God, the more you, br- you, more you hunger for Him, the more you want of Him. So, so many examples like that. Let me just show you some practical things. Hey? In heaven, it's very clear that God's throne is surrounded by praise. So if I want that throne to manifest around my life and in my midst, I must become a house of prayer, a house of praise. If the church builds its worship, builds prayer and intercession, then we can experience more and more of God. See, we have to create the environment that God loves to come to. You can be in a toxic environment. Our environment is made up of our culture, the relationships we have, and God says if we walk in unity, he'll pour blessing. It's made up of purpose, knowing that we're directed to do something in our community, but it's also vitally made up of the presence of God touching us. Let me give you a few practical things. I just want to push on you a little bit on this one because I am extremely passionate, and I'm very passionate, and very, very passionate about this, and God is passionate about this. More than anything, I want more of the presence of God. I want to see more of his miracles. I want to see what the Bible says Jesus did and said we could do. When he sent his disciples out, he said, go out, heal the sick. Cast out demons, heal the lepers, raise the dead. When did we last raise someone from the dead? You see, what happens is you look at the scripture, and because you haven't experienced it, we then pull our expectation down. And then we slowly become used to, well, this is good. It's better than down the road. But this, what's going on down the road is none of our business. What's better? What, what we need to be looking at is what God says is available to us. So number one, preparation. Number one, there's several keys that help to build that atmosphere. Number one is preparation. I'm going to talk primarily about corporate atmosphere, but all of these things apply, uh, apply personally as well. Number one, every time we gather corporately, come prepared to give. Come prepared. To prepare yourself means it's your attitude, the way you look forward to coming. If you just say, well, I'm coming to church it's Sunday, then you can drift into uh, just a, a typical sort of, well, I'm coming to church. Now listen, if you start to think, well, I'm coming to church, it's church time. Well, I'll come to church. Listen, it's about coming to experience God. I wouldn't be coming to church if I didn't experience God there. You understand? I want to experience God. And a key part of experiencing God is preparing yourself before you come to have the meeting with Him. It's all to do with expectation. It's all to do with what goes on in your heart, your hunger and your willingness to pursue. So when I come through the doors, I am hungry to experience God and I'm expecting Him to touch me and talk with me. I come that way. I come prepared. Sometimes I go to some churches and they've got the worship going. They put us in a little side room there and we're watching something on TV. I say, well, I don't want to watch people worshiping. I want to be there. I want to be part of building the atmosphere within which we'll see God move and miracles take place. So prepare yourself. Prepare yourself means to look ahead at what you're going to be doing and begin to anticipate it and expect it. So you come to a meeting expectant that God will touch my life, expectant that God will do something, expectant I'll hear the voice of God, expectant I'll walk out in a better way than I walked in. So first thing is preparation. Second one is punctuality. 
Come on time. Come on time. Now listen, if I turn up, if I arrange an appointment with you, and every time up I turn 20 minutes late, I have communicated a very clear message to you. First time, he has an accident. Second time, oh well, you know, it's a bit of a coincidence. Third time, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's a pattern forming here. Fourth time, there's a problem. I came to meet with you, or so you came to meet with me and I didn't turn up. What it, what is it, what it indicates, this is an issue of honor. It's an issue of honor. It's an issue of placing value on God and your appointment with Him. It's an issue, firstly, of honoring God. I am coming to have a meeting with God. I'm coming to be part of a community, building an atmosphere of worship where God will come, miracles will happen, lives will be changed. I'm coming to be part of something bigger than me. I'm coming to meet with Almighty God, not just the, the, someone down the road. I'm coming to meet with the most important person in my life. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm going to come to meet with him. Now, you see, punctuality is the way you demonstrate this is important that this meeting is important. See, you keep your dentist appointment even though you don't like it. You know, you turn up late to your dentist, he'll cancel you, call you, come next week. Pay for this one and pay for the next one as well. See, punctuality is an issue of honor for God and it also honors that other people turn up very early to prepare themselves to create an atmosphere for us to be part of. So, punctuality is very, very important to be there on time. God is never late. He always turns up on time, always comes when he says he'll come. The third thing is participate. We have to come to give something. I don't like it when people come, if they do it a few times, that's fine, but if people come and all they want to do is draw on something someone else created. There are names for that in the world. We won't mention those names here. But come and give something to create part of the atmosphere. You may say, well, my voice is hopeless. Well, that's okay. Just do what you can. You'll get a better voice in heaven, but at least you can do what you can now. You can clap your hands. You can move your body. You can do something to get involved in what we're doing, which is building an atmosphere and environment. So you come. You notice that whether I'm here and I'm up here, I like to be near the front. You know why I like to be near the front? I don't like to be near the back. Feels to me always like there's more of God here than there is down there. I know that isn't completely true, but however, there's an aspect that is. I want just be there, right next to the worshippers, right next to the musicians. I want to be an inspiration to them as well. And ever they start to do something, yeah, let's do it. Clap, oh, let's clap. Start to sing the song, yes, let's sing the song. You notice that most of the time, I'll be one of the first to get up and sing the songs. It's because I prioritize participating in what God is doing and helping to build it. Atmospheres are built, and you build it by design, by what you deliberately intend to do, or you build it by default. You have a negative, critical atmosphere, you walk in demonized, you walk in oppressed, that contributes to the atmosphere. Others have got to then take your place in pressing into God of his presence to come. But most of the people here have been in church a while. I don't mind if people 
who've been uh, just freshly saved come and they've got all sorts of issues. But let them come into an environment where people are hungry and passionate about Jesus Christ. Passion ignites fire in others. So participate wholeheartedly. God, I found nothing half-hearted. Gets anything done anywhere in life. Participate. Get into it. Passivity is a, it's a terrible thing. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Strong and forcible people press it. So you come and you're feeling heavy. You're feeling despondent. Your body doesn't want to do anything. Tell your body, shut up and get on. We come in to praise the Lord. Don't do that. Okay? Just get on. Start to clap. And start to enter in. Start to give yourself until your whole heart turns towards the Lord. It's not a matter of just physically doing things. It's not a matter of performance. It's a matter of recognizing that not all of me at one point wants to cooperate. I can get tired. No, I want to sit down. I just want to go but we can decide to participate, connect. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to do that. God tells us how to engage. Come into my presence with thanksgiving, into my courts with praise. Gratitude. Pray. Sing the songs. It may not be the best song, and you may not even know it too well. Just give it your best shot. Hum it, clap it, whistle it, whatever. Make some noise to the Lord. Just participate. And if you want to hoot and holler, great. Because that may just get someone upset, but it may get someone else, well, that's exciting. I need to get free of myself. See, the freedom is contagious. People all love someone who's free. There's something about a free spirit that is really attractive to people. And there's something about control that's incredibly unattractive. There's something about someone who is happy and loving you that's attractive and someone depressed and complaining, that's unattractive. Why? Because one is reflecting heaven. Heaven's full of happiness. So we can do things. See, and the next thing is worship. When the presence. So what happens? See, worship's not the same as praise. Praise is something I give. I honor Him. But you know, as we begin to praise the Lord and give Him our very best, it doesn't take long until we feel His presence drawing. And when praise and worship become mixed, you start to get into a flow of engaging God. It's interesting. The word they use for worship proskunio means literally to kiss towards someone. Now, maybe that may not seem too manly to you, but the picture they've got in there is like a dog licking its master. Now, you've seen a big dog. You ever had a dog? And you come home, that dog, you know what it does? It runs in, and it just licks and licks and licks, it is, and the grin on its face is, is visible. Come on, you've seen that. They come in, they lick, 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 they lick your face, lick everything. They're happy to see you. And they're loyal to you. You're the master. Well, that's the picture that's used with worship. It's kind of like just an abandoned. Oh, I'm just enjoying Jesus. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Jump, shout, and lie down. It's great. It just lets something express from inside you. And so there's a, there's a, there, are, there are flows in a service. Learn to recognize the flow and participate in what God is flowing in. Now, once we begin to build an atmosphere of praise, the meeting starts to come together, and there starts to become a corporate participation, which could take a half an hour if everyone's slack and arrive and drift in like, like the Browns' cows, or it can be very quick to come into the presence of God. Take you about five minutes. See? If everyone just is there and enters in straight away. Now, what happens then 
is this starts to come an awareness of God's presence and then the, the mood and flow of the songs of the sensitive uh, worship team is you start to feel the presence of God and then it starts to become more tender, more loving. And then we start to move with the flow of the Spirit. Now, you'll find when you get in the flow of the Spirit, He will then lead how the service goes. And if the worship leader and the team are onto it and sensitive and aware, then you can start to have waves of God moving. And one of the keys is for us to learn what the waves are and get into them quick. See, you can have a wave where it's just very tender and worshiping, and then it can drift out of that, and now we're back into exalting. Now, as soon as the the worship leader and the team begin to move into that, get into it straight away, and you'll just like, when you, like a surfer, when you get on the edge of the wave and catch it, it just, it really goes. So when God begins to shift the flow, and it can be a flow of love, it can be a flow of joy. I've been to meetings where we've had something like six or seven different flows of the Spirit. One, meet, one wave after another. But everyone there was hungry, longing for, desiring, open and responsive that when God moved, all we had to do was say, let's go this way, and they all went that way. See, if you go into your own world and do your own thing, instead of saying, what is God doing here with us? So listen, and the prophetic word will come, and in the prophetic word, you'll hear what God is saying next. And often we just hear it, and then, oh, yeah, that was nice. Someone sang. No, it wasn't good. They didn't sing in tune. And we kind of miss it. But what God, the Spirit is saying, catch the spirit of what's coming, and then flow into that, because that's where God is moving. And that's, that's how you learn to work with the Holy Spirit. I was in one meeting in City Harvest, and we came. I started to pray and speak, just start to pray and prophesy over a few people. Next thing you know, joy broke out. So, oh, there's someone starts laughing. Well, that's not bad. Someone's laughing. Then there's someone else laughing. I thought, well, God wanted to bring joy. Now, in congregations that are open, they don't sort of watch this, someone's laughing, and shut down the whole thing. You say, man, God's laughing. Let's just, God wants us to be joyful. Let's just laugh and enjoy what's going on and, and, and start to receive. Then it went from laughter. Then we start to move into a flow of healing. Next thing I know, everyone's weeping and yelling. I mean, if you were in that meeting, you would think this was one of the, the most unbelievable services you've ever been at. Because then everyone's weeping and weeping and weeping and God's dealing with trauma. Then I started to feel God saying, now, command some spirits. I started to command spirits. Well, it was like a fight broke out. People jumped and ran and yelled. yelled. All kinds of things went all over the place. And then suddenly it was all over. And then there was this love of God. And you just wanted to stand still and enjoy the love of God. Then it moved to another flow. And suddenly there's joy. And everyone ended up and they're laughing and falling over and drunk as can be. And that was the morning. Three out. But the point of it is, not what happens somewhere else, but learning to work with the flows of the Spirit. You can do that. It's not really that hard. Not really that hard. It's recognizing what it is and say, man, I'm going to give myself to it and go with it. As we get in that flow, you listen. You listen. What is God saying? What is God doing? What's happening? What is going on here? It's not just about you and what God's saying to you. If God starts to speak to you, sit down, get your pen out, write down what he said so you don't forget it. Go away and have a think about it and pray about it afterwards. If God's speaking to the church, get in on the flow of what he's saying. God prophesies over someone else. Reach out and say, Lord, I believe that for me as well. Why not? Stretch your faith to pull the presence of God. See, sometimes we're just happy to get to a certain level rather than saying, that's great to be there. Come on, let's go a little further this week. Come on, let's reach into God for more until we start to see Him manifest His power. We start to see healings happen and no one prayed for them. Healings, miracles, things happening. 
There is more for us. God has more. And He says, you draw near to me and I'll draw near with the more. You come near to me with fresh attitudes and hunger and faith and I'll do more for you. What an amazing. See, we're in for a great new season ahead, but it requires a shift. Don't drift into church meetings. Come saying, God, when we gather, whether it's prayer or worship, I'll be there, I'll be ready, I'll be on time, I'll be hungry for you, and whatever you do for me, I'm going to get into it and be part of it. It's that wholehearted giving yourself to God, passionately loving. The Bible says, just finish with the thing that uh, there was a song was sung, Heaven is my throne, who will, who will hear the cry of my heart? And there are two cries of God's heart. One, where are the worshipers? Where are the worshipers? Where are those who love me because of all I've done for them? And the second cry of God's heart, who will go for us? Who will go for us? We don't want to just try and persuade you to evangelize. I want you to catch fire so you can't not. We want to ignite fire in the church, fire in your lives. We want to believe that the church will start to ignite with the passion for Jesus. And oh, you just can't help but say something. I got to do something because I'm alive with God. We say amen. Amen. Come on, why don't we just stand up and give the Lord a clap shout.